Well, welcome. It's nice to see some faces returning and people visiting. Welcome. We are glad you are with us. So today is the Feast of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and until I got some theological training, I think I had an image of this feast day that was sort of a mix of picturing a Marian statue, you know, her sort of standing here demurely, combined with an image of Mary Poppins leaving at the end of the movie, you know, up, up, and away. But that's really not the main point of this feast. So we're going to try to get a little more accurate on that today. Two things to know. Our first reading from Revelation talks about this woman um, clothed with the sun. A lot of people think that is a depiction of Mary, but probably that is a depiction of the church as a whole, all of us. We can think of ourselves as being in that role and what this vision says about what God has done for us. And the second reading, all I'm going to say about that, is that's really the heart of the theology behind this feast today. So pay attention to that second reading from Paul. He has some good stuff to say. Well, if you're keeping score, we're about nine months into the new English translation of the Mass. How are you doing with it? I'm involved in many Masses every week, but I still struggle with some of the new words and phraseology. But there's one part of the new translation that I absolutely love. It's the last sentence of the Nicene Creed. It rolls off my tongue easily, and I find it powerful to declare this belief out loud with other people listening. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. And that statement, believe it or not, is at the heart of what we're celebrating today. We're going to explore this in three parts. One, the life of the world to come. Two, the resurrection of the dead. And three, how Mary's assumption can help strengthen our faith in the resurrection of the dead. Well, to start, I definitely believe in the life of the world to come. We may doubt from time to time that we will each live forever, but for me, all I need to do is think about some of the wonderful people in my life who have already died. Our God is a loving God, and it simply can't be that death is the end of the existence of these wonderful people. I'll never forget what my pastor said about ten years ago. He said, the day my mother died, I knew there was a heaven. What he said made sense to me then. It has made even more sense to me ever since my own mother died in September of 2009. At the Easter Vigil, seven months later, I found myself breaking into joyful tears as we sang the final song. We shall rise again on the last day. We will find an open door there. God has prepared a place for each of us to live with God forever. A place for my mom a place for my dad, a place for me. I firmly believe that if I live a life of faithful discipleship, I will be reunited with my parents and with everyone else who has been so dear to me. So let's move on to the idea of the resurrection of the dead. We don't know how time works after we die, but we believe that we will all eventually be resurrected at a time that we call the last day. 
we will each be transformed by God. We don't understand the when, the where, or the how of the resurrection. But we're not going to be disembodied souls. We will have eternal life, body and soul together. And in a lot of ways, it just doesn't make sense to us. And even though the bodily resurrection is a central tenet of our faith, Christians have continually struggled to understand the physics of how this will actually work. It's easier to believe that our souls are somehow separate from our bodies, that our souls will somehow be released from our bodies when we die. It's easier to believe that, that only our souls have eternal life, but that easier concept forces us in a subtle way to reject other central beliefs of our faith. Most primarily, our belief that God created everything and that everything created by God is good. And that includes us. We believe that we are created in the image of God. We believe that God created us and then he said that we were very good. Our bodies are good. They are essential to how God created each of us. When we start to think of the life of the world to come without our bodies being there, we run the risk in this life of disconnecting ourselves from our emotions, from our experiences, from the very things that define who we are, who God has created us to be. Now, once again, we don't understand how our bodies will be transformed in the life of the world to come. The Bible indicates that somehow we'll look different after we're resurrected. The disciples somehow failed to recognize the resurrected Jesus. But in other ways, we'll be exactly the same. Before the disciples recognized Jesus, they thought he was another person, not some kind of angel or extraterrestrial. It's hard to believe in the resurrection of the body since we can't comprehend how it will work. But we're no different than those early Christians in Corinth. In our second reading today, St. Paul addresses their doubts about the resurrection of the dead. The Corinthians could believe. They believed fully that Jesus Christ had been resurrected from the dead. But they struggled to believe that they would also be resurrected from the dead. And this is where Mary can help us. We believe that Mary cooperated fully in God's plan. Even if we can't think of ourselves as created very good by God, a lot of us can believe that Mary was created very good by God. And again, we don't understand where, when, or how we'll enter into this life of the world to come. But we believe that Mary's already enjoying that life. I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. We shall rise again on the last day. God has prepared a place for each of us. We will find an open door there. And when we arrive, Mary will already be there welcoming us with open arms.